Greetings, I am Jim. And I am Sean, and we welcome you to our podcast. Our goal is to entertain you with our discussions about RPG, fantasy, and everything in between. Come sit by the fire. You're safe here. We'll keep watch. We hope you enjoy 13-Sided Die. Level 2, Episode 18, Calgary Expo and Honor Among Thieves. Come listen to us chat about our adventures at Calgary's biggest comic slash cosplay celebration. Once he was just an ordinary boy, now he is Defender of the Universe. Then stay for the main event as we discuss the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Warning. There will be spoilers. Here, Jim vent on the lack of beholders in the film, and Sean goes off on a rant about buying history. Jim finally calls us back in from a break, and we almost forget to do a bad joke. All this and more in this episode of 13-Sided Die. Hello, adventurers. Uh, we are kicking off today's episode of 13-Sided Die. It's uh, Sean here, Ardnor Minis, with my good friend. Epic Jim. How's it Epic going? Epic Jim. Hey, how you doing, buddy? Good. Saw you on the weekend. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. For those of you out there, we had a Calgary Expo last weekend. It's our largest uh, comic expo here in town. And uh, Jim came down from his home up north in the Viking lands. In and, the mountains. Uh, in the mountains. And we hung out. And it was great to be in person. For the first time. Really. In a long time. Yeah, really. Like yeah. we've got together a few times usually when I'm when you're picking up terrain from me. But uh we hung out for the whole day and we didn't get sick of each other in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other times we met, it was like uh, in the middle of COVID. So we had to Hi. keep our six feet and yeah, wear masks and all that Hi. stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, yeah, we had a really fun time. And uh, I have a lot of mixed emotions about uh, that weekend. Um, for me, the best part was literally just hanging out with you. That was so fun to get to do that. Um, but uh, it was a really great uh, great show. Like, I think we, I got so much out of it, but I think the elephant in the room was just this shit show, excuse the language, of the ridiculous lineups and overpopulation. Like, they way oversold the day we yeah. were there on Saturday. I was there with Jim on Saturday. Jim went every day. Yeah, that's pretty think? wild. Uh, yeah, they definitely oversold. I saw a lot of people talking about that in the comments online. And yeah, yeah that you sent me that link for that. That was really funny. They're like, hey, 2024 tickets are now available. And everyone's comment goes, you need to sell less tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just shoulder to shoulder people. But oh, there's so many good cosplays, though. It was amazing. I, I mean, I'll give them some benefit of the doubt because there was construction going on down there. They're renovating that whole uh, stampede grounds. But still, they could have done something because we were in this crazy lineup to get in, you know, and, and I don't want to get off on a rant, but I mean, like you pay in advance online, you get a QR code that you literally have to go down there and scan to receive a card that you then have to go and activate by hitting another QR code and re-putting all your information in that you already gave them online. Like it's this really dumb system just to get you going, I thought. And um, anyways, that aside... It was an amazing day, incredibly warm. It was so hot walking from building to building. Um, your armor didn't melt and fall off. I was so excited about that. No, expertly made. <laughs> well, it was made. Um, that was a lot of fun. For uh, those of you out there, I've been working on some uh, Death Knight armor for Jim uh, since back uh, probably, in, I think I started in November. And um, just working away in the background, and we got it all done, and I think it turned out fantastic. Uh, YouTube videos being put together right now for it, and uh, I went in my uh, pirate costume I've been assembling over the years. And we had a blast. Like it, it, oh, it you, awesome. you look so good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think we both did. Yeah, if you haven't seen, check out our Instagrams. We got yes. tons of pictures on there. So, and like Jim said, some amazing people cruising around there. Yeah. Uh, what was the favorite uh, cosplay that you saw? Good question. Um, I, I, I like the big skeleton dude that you liked. Yeah. He was pretty cool. But I think one of my favorites, it was uh, I, I, that dude walking around as a Cylon from the 70s Battlestar Galactica. Like that oh, was a I, I don't know if I saw him. Cool costume. He had the proper red eye going back and forth across. Um, yeah, yeah, that was really sick. Very, you know, bright, shiny, chromey. Uh, that was kind of cool. I don't see that too often. So that was one of my favorites. Yeah, when Sean says a big skeleton dude, there's a guy in about a... With 12 foot, 12. maybe even a little taller, like exoskeleton kind of 
Yeah. He's just, it looks so awesome. Yeah. He was just huge, wasn't he? And then we saw him outside. And then a little later on, he was like cruising around inside this ridiculously packed buildings. It was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think my favorite uh, No Face from uh, Spirited mm-hmm. Away is yeah. one with the with the teeth. In the, in the belly, the mouth and the belly. Yeah, yeah that looked awesome. And then there was uh, Misty from Pokemon, a big jack dude in, uh, <laughs> in a tight little outfit. It looked ridiculous and it was hilarious. And that was me and my wife's favorite costume, I think. That was cool. <laughs> I, I want to give a shout out too, though, to your uh, your friend. And I can't remember her name, who is a goblin. She, oh, her, Megan, yeah. Her makeup was incredible. She looked great. Yeah. She just threw that together too. Cosplay wow. wizard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like she was like green all over and probably is still green four or five days later, but it was like, how many, she said like three or four layers of paint on it. And she looked amazing. She looked so yeah. good. Uh, I think she, cause she posted about that. It took three baths and a long oh, shower, I think man. to get it off and like a bottle of uh, Dawn. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I'd believe it. it. It looked so good, but it looked thick. Thick, thick, yeah. Thick. But uh, yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun with those things. We caught a couple of um, talks. Uh, Vincent D'Ofrino, I think that's almost how you say his name. Um, been in a lot of things over the years. Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket was one of his first big roles. But uh, most known, I think, now for uh, being Wilson Fisk, uh, Kingpin on uh, Daredevil that was on Netflix. Uh, he was really good, very inspirational. I really liked his talk. Uh, I do like, I, I think that is one of the best Marvel characters ever done. It, it brought so much to that character. Like you almost, you almost felt sorry for, well, you did, you felt sorry for him. Like he felt like he was a product of the environment and became like twisted and evil, but it almost understood why he was twisted and evil in a funny way. And we said that in one of our episodes about, you know, having good, bad characters, they need a lot of depth. And I think about that as an incredibly depth uh, incredible depth on a character that makes a lot of sense and you kind of you understand why they're that way yeah yeah and we saw him and we saw andy circus which was amazing you like that um, one didn't you you know he he was great he, caesar yeah i i find watching him what a what a what a talent because he was you know so in the moment when he spoke like so engaging very thankful to people but he just you could tell he's on a lot of public because you can be a great actor but mm-hmm. you can be really crappy at public speaking because they're mm-hmm. totally different, right? Like an actor generally is take, 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 didn't get it right. Let's do it again. Let's practice, practice, practice. But public speaking is just in the moment right there and do it. And I thought he was phenomenal on stage, very engaging, very friendly. Um, yeah, and he was really cool. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you? I seen him walking downtown Calgary by himself. That's crazy. We were picking up our dog from because we had him in a daycare or whatever. Right. And we're driving by just downtown and he's walking by himself down the sidewalk. I'm freaking out. My wife has no idea who he is. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have my phone out either. I was like, oh, oh, just looking ah. at him as we drove by. Yeah. <laughs> Yell at him, my precious. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, and we saw David Harbour too. That I talk we saw. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. For those of you out there not um, familiar maybe with the name, and I always forget his name, so thank you, Jim. Um, best known as uh, Sheriff Hopper in uh, Stranger Things. Um, he did an, a version of Hellboy in the more recent film, which I thought was stunning. I loved his version of Hellboy. Mm-hmm. I think you had mentioned that the story just wasn't that good and it didn't come across that well, but he was great in it. Um, yeah. He's a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed him on, on the stage. He's some really inspirational, really fun things. And uh, yeah, that was a really, really good talk as well. Yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, with cons too, we bought a lot of things. What was, what was your favorite thing that you bought? I didn't buy very much, did I? I <laughs> pretty much all I did is, uh, and I, this is a very typical Sean thing, at a con like that, I go looking for comics. Um, I don't collect them much anymore, um, but I still have a weak spot in my heart, and I picked up some really, uh, there was some cool Betty Page, uh, pinup queen of the 50s. There was some comics um, from, of hers uh, with my favorite comic book artist, uh, Dave Stevens, who did the who the creator of the original Rocketeer. There was one with his uh, drawing on the cover, so I was excited about that. And then I was filling some holes in my uh, Silver Age Daredevil collection. I think it was a couple of issues around uh, number 60, so uh, that would be like kind of um, mid, mid to late 60s. Um, so that was really exciting. I filled, I think, three or four holes. I don't have that many left. I've almost got the full run. So that was awesome. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
you had to lend me some money because I, uh, I ran out of bucks and the woman's uh, you're at a con and her, and her thing ran out her um, little uh, debit machine thing ran out of battery that's crazy to me oh what a nightmare yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny what about I mean, you what was what was your favorite probably I got the original AD&D monster manual mm. I picked up that looked like it was loved that was nice. awesome yeah nice. pretty good shape just a little faded but just yep. I don't buy that stuff to sell anyways, so it's no. I'm just glad no. to have one and I uh, got some aluminum metal skull dice that I just Ooh. it just sings when you roll them. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that um you introduced me to that gentleman who had all the old uh, D&D memorabilia stuff. That was a really cool stall. Some really neat stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I knew his uh like I don't think he has like a store. I think he just does know. cons kind of thing. Yeah, we uh, we handed out a ton of flyers to uh, vendors and people, general public, to come to ArcCon in uh, June, uh, ArdCon, and uh, pretty excited about that. There was a lot of really great vendors, and there was a lot of good reception of it. A few people reach out and say they're interested in coming. I hope that gentleman with all the old uh, D&D memorabilia responds. That'd be cool for him to come. Yeah, I hope he doesn't. Give my wallet a break. Hey, stop it. Stop it. Um <laughs> What else? Um, I was a little let down on the gaming element because I had hoped to give a bunch of flyers to, uh, you know, D&D and Warhammer gamers, but there was just one small area of people playing. I mean, to me, that is one thing that's really weird about these things. And, you know, I, I started going to that many, many years ago, and then I stopped going for a really long time. But I think back on those earlier years, and it was very obviously comic-focused, um, and I've had, uh, I can remember going down a number of times, digging through my comic collection, pulling out some really crazy comics, uh, like Sam Keith, uh, Keowen, some of these really amazing artists and, uh, getting to go down there and, uh, and Matt Wagner, oh, Matt Wagner, one of my favorites and, and getting to meet them and getting them to autograph your comic or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had Matt Wagner, um, who did the mage series, and a bunch of Batman stuff, and he did uh, books Grendel, which is phenomenal. I got him to, I commissioned him to do me a Batman and Robin original, and uh, so I paid him, and I went back the next day, and that night he drew, inked it, and colored it, and brought it the next day. I was like oh, so jacked, cool. so I need to get that framed one day. That's upstairs, hidden away. Um, so I remember that being such a big thing, so exciting to bring a bunch of comics, and the, and the artists were really on display. And now I find you go to, it was kind of in a, it's one of the side buildings buried away a bit. And it's where a lot of the, um, the vendors are that are uh, more artists, right? Mm. Cause artists alley and the, the comic book artists are kind of like tucked away in there. And it's almost like we'd walk past their booths and like, nobody's there. And it just really felt kind of sad in my heart thinking about how much that's changed because basically that's what this Calgary Expo came from was from comics and now it's such a small part. There's only like three or four, maybe a few more comic vendors there. And uh, it's just everything else has become so much bigger. So it's not bad. It's just it's hard when I see that because it, it was such a cool part of it. And uh, it's kind of sad to see that it's not really that way anymore. And the gaming seemed a bit like that because I do remember the gaming was bigger, that whole big gaming areas and stuff. And they didn't really have that this time. Yeah, we're getting old, Sean. That's what's going on there. Um, yeah, with the gaming though, like I went the year before COVID hit, and they were they had like a whole other building for D and D. Like there was a ton of D and D last time I was there. So yeah, yeah. I think they just dropped the ball this time. Maybe, or maybe, maybe someone that was supposed to be like running it, yeah, like had to back out or something. Yeah, that that wasn't that great. Did you get the uh, email from them asking for like feedback? Oh no. I got that, oh, yeah. I think, yesterday or this morning. I think that's oh, hilarious, no. man. They're yeah. going to get pummeled, pummeled. <laughs> I don't usually send feedback on things, but I think actually I might send something and, and chime in about how unorganized some of it was. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, you're talking pretty big for someone that's about to do his own con. So well, it's so funny all- because I've gone to a number of these things over the years and different fairs and stuff, and I've really been thinking hard about the things that I didn't like. The things that I felt didn't work. And so I think that's been really good because those are things I want to make sure that when, you know, we run it, that people do enjoy themselves and they don't walk away saying, man, that sucked. I can't believe how unorganized they were or whatever. I I don't want any of that now. And we're very low key. It's very grassroots, but there still has to be organization. And I don't want people to be felt like they're waiting around or nothing's happening or they don't know what's happening. So we need to be very on top of that. So, um, I mean, all in all, I really had a good day down there, uh, really good memories. There was just a lot of, 
I thought a lot of their technical things were not handled well. Mm. Like right where this stage was, and I saw some of these in their comments. It was so funny. And I, it, and I remember I had to think about it, but where the stage was with all this booming noise, they had, and they had a kind of a, a cloth wall at the back. Right behind the cloth wall, they had a sloth. Yeah. And you could go and get pictures with a, a real live sloth. And it's like, I don't think the sloth wants to hear all that noise from, you know, the speakers. It's just like the people talking. It seemed crazy to have a live animal display yeah. right next to the stage. Like and They had a bunch of animals there. They did, didn't they? And I think that's yeah. part of the thing. Like, it just was like, I don't think some things were really thought through, some of the technical aspects. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know why or what happened, but I think they need to really look at that and work on that. And the people were just crazy. You couldn't walk through the places. It was like shoulder to shoulder packed. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, other than that, I, yeah, it was really good. We got some good pictures. Yeah. What, what, anything else stand out to you? Highlight? Uh, just that uh, old school D&D booth. I always like, there's a lot more D&D uh, merch this year. It seems it was. a lot more booths. Yeah. So. yeah. I think about, um, it was right towards the end when we were wrapping up and we were in the, kind of the outer hallway. Um, and that lady came up and asked if she could get a picture with you, with us and then more specifically with you. And she had that wicked green costume. She looked kind of like a, a Disney villain type of look. Well, she kind of was a Disney villain. Cause was she? She was a uh, Hela from the Thor movies. Oh, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Not, I know you like Thor a lot. So there you go. <laughs> um, she looked stunning. And the two of you together, some of those photos and that, oh, dude, you guys, you guys look like a couple, like, <laughs> sorry, Mrs. Epic, like not a married couple, but you guys looked like you were meant to be together in something like they really worked well together. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. I was really, really happy with those photos. Yeah, it was uh, all in all a really good time. Yeah, no, that was awesome. You going to go next year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you get your tickets yet? No. <laughs> I usually wait till about December to get my tickets. So. Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Cool. Well, I think that maybe covers our discussion on uh, that. We just kind of wanted to lead off the show with that. And, uh, you know, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and we are going to talk all about the Dungeons and Dragons movie Honor Among Thieves. And uh, we'll probably say right now, if you haven't seen the film, you may not want to listen to the rest of the podcast because we are a spoiler all over the place. We're just going to talk. We don't care. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just don't listen and come back later once you've listened. Right. Like that's. Yeah. If yeah. you're a big D&D fan, you had a month to watch it. So. Yeah, I, I think we always worry about the spoilers and stuff, and then it it just kind of drags. We don't get to talk about stuff. So I think it's more like, hey, we're just doing it, and if you haven't watched it or heard it or whatever, don't listen. So put you've been warned. Pause, put us on pause. Go watch the movie. Come back. <laughs> come unpause. Back. Listen to the discussion. Take us to the movie. Listen to us while you're watching the movie. Mm, that'd be fun, too, yeah. You do that, yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, quick break, and we will be right back. Fantasy Factoid! Hey everybody, today's Fantasy Factoid is about the D&D movie. Chris Pine agreed to appear because the role of Edwin is uh, very atypical for a fantasy film leading man and because he sat in on his nephew playing a D&D campaign and he saw how much fun him and his friends were having. Pretty cool. Hey, good friends, we are back, and I hope you enjoyed the first segment talking about Calgary Expo. Uh, Like I said, Jim and I had a great time, and we just kind of wanted to touch base with you on that. Uh, If you haven't been before, hey, I'd really suggest going, just be prepared for the lines. Um, We are now excited to talk about Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, the new film out. Uh, It's been out, like you said, Jim, I think for about a month now? Yeah. Yeah. So again, if you haven't seen it, you might not want to listen, because... Spoilers are coming. Um, first of all, let's talk just in general. What did we think about it? Um, overall view, Jim. Um, for what it uh, for what it is, and I think that they did like a really great job. Um, I give it an eight out of ten. That was my Ooh, rating. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the movie was funny while also being like action packed and could be enjoyed even if you knew nothing about D and D prior to the movie. Yep. Uh, being such a big D and D fan. I did have quite a few things to like nitpick about the movie because okay. I, I was looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, cause I was like pretty skeptical going into it, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I'd actually go as high as an eight and a half to a nine out of 10. Um, I am. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think mostly because if you compare it to anything that has been done in the past, those were so poorly done. I still kind of like them, but they're so poorly done. Um, 
let's be honest here. They had to thread the needle with this film, right? Like if you leaned into the D&D heavily, you would lose your general public, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd probably still get stuff wrong and still piss off the, the D&D nerds, us. Um, and if you leaned too heavily on just the side of general public being way more action and way more, you know, not D&D kind of related items, then you're going to piss off the D&D people even more. And so they had a really fine line to go down. And I think actually they did a very good job of threading that needle and mm-hmm. getting it enough of both sides. Um, you're never going to satisfy the D&D purist ever <laughs> unless it's like 100% D&D only. And even then they're not going to be happy. They're still going to stay say stuff. But I think they did enough to make it feel like it certainly is of the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they did enough that if you didn't know anything about the game at all, you could still watch and have a really fun time. It was a really good story. So that was all done extremely well. Um, what I find fascinating, and we talked about this a while back, about the whole disaster that has gone on in Dungeons & Dragons, kind of the company, um, with all their um, OGL licensing issues and all this kind of hubbub, the movie still did phenomenally well. So I don't think that really affected them. If anything, like you always people say, you know, any publicity is good publicity. So even all that negative publicity helped get the name out there. Um I probably should also say I really like Chris Pine as an actor. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy just about everything he's done. And so I think he is like uh, the perfect character for that kind of um, fun, cynical, um, you know, type of character. Like he was really, really good in that role. And so um, I think he really held the movie, uh, really, really held it together very well. So that is kind of my general thoughts about it. Um I was wondering, uh, I think I mentioned you, maybe we could just go through and talk a little bit about uh, some of the characters and what we thought about them. Yeah. Um, so Chris Pine uh, playing Edgin Darvis. And um, I think first off, that's a bit of a controversial thing. Uh, it's listed everywhere that he's a bard. Um, and I I have seen people and heard, heard people comment saying they think he's more of a thief with musical talents because he never really casts any spells that, a you know, like a bard would. Um your thoughts on that? Like, I, I kind of agree. I think maybe he's more of a, a rogue thief than he is a bard. Well, I thought that too, but then, um, cause he was inspiring people throughout the movie, you know, that's probably true in that. Um, <clears throat> but if they were going to do that, I thought that they should have leaned on a little bit more, maybe have like a little magic yeah. dust or a little like do when he like, yeah, you know, when he's inspiring. Yeah. I think that's a really good comment because I think that's, <clears throat> excuse me that's what was missing it didn't feel so much like he was a bard don't get me wrong he feel felt very much like a person of music like a, a true bard yeah very much he had his lute all the time he's doing all that kind of saying they lot through the show he was singing and that became a fun thing so very much he was that kind of a bard but the sense if we're going to go from a D standpoint of a actual class of a bard it didn't feel like he was a bard he felt more like he was a, a thief or a rogue um, yeah. So I think that's an area they probably could have worked on a little bit more to make it feel – again, that helps people like, you know, Gen Pop, the uh, general population watching the film who doesn't know anything about D&D, that would help them understand that he can use music to benefit people magically, which would have been kind of cool to bring those people into that. Um, but nonetheless, Chris Pine was brilliant. He was so sarcastic and fun. And there was a lot of sadness and pathos to his character, and it was really neat to see this whole thing coming about. Basically, it's just a tale about him wanting to get his daughter back. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what it's about, and this loss of love. His wife. His wife, right? I guess. Yeah, the the, the both, right? (laughs) And it was a beautiful tale of that trying to – and that's that's what a good D&D game is about, a beautiful tale, like a reason to do something. And that's what he was on. He was on a quest, on a mission to save his daughter and bring back his wife. He wanted his life back with the people that he loved. And it was really neat to see that, um, you know, that whole story come together. So I think he absolutely nailed it. I, I have, other than them not making him feel truly bardish, I can't think of any negative thing I would say about his performance in that. I think he just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I love how he was like talking about his backstory, like at the start of the movie, like yeah. as he would in a D and D game, right? To kind yeah. of tell everyone else at the table, like what's up yeah. with the guy. <laughs> totally, so, totally. I, I thought they really hit that nail on the head. Absolutely nailed that. Um, anything else on Mister Pine, or move on? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. Uh, so the next character we'll talk about is Michelle Rodriguez as Holga Kilgore. <laughs> uh, she was a barbarian character. And um, Michelle Rodriguez is known from probably, what, Fast and Furious m- yeah. <laughs> movies. That's kind of her, her most known stuff. Um, 
I I thought she was great. I, I honestly did. I think she's a she's a fun actress. She's very physical. Uh, the role was really good. It really, for me, captured a barbarian's you know ability for that brute force, brawn, and rage. Um, and she was very soft. She was kind of like you know the uh, surrogate mother for um, you know Edgin's daughter, which is really cool. So and I thought she did a great job playing that. Um, yeah, and I thought her and um, Chris Pine's character uh, together really, really worked get well together. You can see that it was a very strong bond friendship, which again is very D and D like. Um, any comments on her performance, Jim? Um, well, what I didn't like about that is that the she was a barbarian and she didn't rage. They missed out on that too, right? They could have had her <laughs> kicking ass, kind of, and then maybe getting hit in the face with something and getting mad and then really start kicking ass. I thought that would have been a kind of cool way to show that. And that wouldn't have been oh, anything away from the story. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, nothing. And and they could have filmed it as such as she looks bigger and menacing. Like, she doesn't actually grow, but she looks yeah. like she grows. You know, you could have done stuff like that. That, that would have been a bonus. Um, but other than that, I think they did a great job. It was, um, you know, it, it, we're in... Uh, times where we're trying to be um you know equal and sharing and that kind of stuff so it was kind of neat to have um the big tough guy as a, a woman um she wasn't scantily clad and uh you know looking like she was out of D D of the 70s um so i think they did a really good job of um you know presenting a very strong and powerful woman which was pretty cool yeah and i loved her and uh bradley cooper's love triangle or thing that there. is so great right uh and i got <laughs> yeah for those of you who have seen it and if you haven't you probably shouldn't be listening uh bradley <laughs> cooper has got a uh cameo which is crazy i can bradley cooper's <laughs> such an a-list actor eddie plays this awesome uh ex-husband to holga uh his name was what marleman i wrote down yeah marleman and uh they did some really fun filming trick photography to make him look like this little tiny person because uh, he was a playing right yeah, very sweet, very fun. Um, I thought they did a great job with that. That was and his his new lady is uh, you know <laughs> totally there to piss her off. Um, yeah, I thought that was beautiful, and it's just so great to have somebody that famous in that role. Like, just so hilarious. Yeah, that was that was such a great and hilarious character, and just like that storyline. That's probably my favorite part of the movie, honestly. <laughs> that was really fun, wasn't it? That was really yeah. cool. Uh, uh, and I never know how to pronounce this gentleman's name. Is it Roger? Roger Jean Page? I'm sorry, Mr. Page, who's one of our listeners, if I've said your name incorrectly. Um, he was in that big Netflix um, period piece. Oh, what the hell is that thing called? I only watch fantasy, so. Yeah, I know. There. I think like, I might have watched it. I know my wife watched it. Anyways, the listeners can comment below. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't totally remember the name of it now, but it was a really big deal uh, on Netflix. It blew up over COVID. He was in that, and uh, he plays uh, Zink. Is that how you say it? Zink? X-E-N-K, Zink? I think Zink Yender. <clears throat> and he was a, a human paladin. Uh, I thought he was amazing in it. Like, he absolutely had that. Any of you that have ever been a paladin or had a paladin in your party, like, they are like, they're like a laser beam. It's like, this is what I'm doing, and this is the direction mm. I'm going, and anything that gets in my way is going to get in my way because I'm going right through it. Like, that is, you know, kind of that singular-focused mind very black and white. And I thought he played that phenomenally Um, and not in a negative way, but just very much like on task. This is what's happening. Um, They had a lot of fun with like, he, you know, is he going, he's going to go, he's going to walk right up and over top of that hill, you know, that little mound of rocks or whatever, like not around it, right over it. And that's just to me, very distinct to like a paladin's qualities. Uh, Fun fact about that. That was improv. Yeah. He was walking and they just didn't yell cut just to see what he would do. And that, that's what he did. I thought I thought for sure that that was like uh, like paying homage to how in D&D, you know, how you walk in like perfectly straight lines. Yeah. That, that's yeah. why I thought that they were making fun of there. But I guess, yeah, they just didn't yell cut. And they're just watching him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he absolutely nailed that. Uh, it's so funny that that was just a add in. Um, yeah. But no, I thought he was phenomenal. Um Bridgerton. Sorry, I had to look it up. That was the name of the show on Netflix, Bridgerton. It was massive, big, sexy blow-up thing um, that happened over COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought he was really, really good in this film. Um, I, I I never was a big Paladin fan when I was younger. Because um, I, I pretty much play, always played Rangers and Rogues or Thieves back in the day. Um, but I've really grown to love a Paladin. And uh, I've only got to play it once uh, in the last four or five years. 
And I would certainly play a Paladin again. I, I think they're just really, really cool. And if you play with it correctly, it isn't limiting. It, it You are focused, but it doesn't mean you're limited, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, I thought he did a really great, great job. Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat as you. I was always, you know, barbarian. And yeah. Now, it's, yeah. now I lean more like Paladin cleric. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. Uh, so a gentleman named Justice, cool first name, Smith. What a great name, Smith. <laughs> that, that that sounds good. Uh, as Simon Amor, a half-elf wild magic sorcerer. And uh, they uh, get introduced to this gentleman who's now just kind of like a conjurer in a uh, in a show. And he's trying to rip everybody off, stealing all their stuff. Um, he was brilliant, I thought. Like very, he, he was a lot of the comic relief for the show, I believe. It felt that way. Yeah. Um, and it was that, you know, that person who just didn't believe in themselves and, and couldn't do it. And they, you know, kind of accentuated that with the artifact that he was trying to put on his head, that kind of cursed item. And he was trying to attune to it and he just couldn't. And he kept seeing visions of his grandfather and, and eventually he manages to, to overcome it in his own internal, uh, you know, disbelief that he can do things. And, um, I thought he did a great job, you know, and he's got the little love affair with the other character that's building. And yeah, it was a really interesting character and I thought he really, really played it well. And, um, uh, it, it, to me, one of the better displays of a magic user in film, I thought, uh, in the sense of a Dungeons and Dragons kind of uh, character. What yeah. did you think? Um, yeah, his grandfather was album minister, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. A, a big throwback to uh, D and D lore. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they did really good with that character. He's funny. Um, I did like how they did um, the attunement with that item made yeah. it a little bit harder. Kind of thought about maybe like stealing some of that for like my games, like making people roll for attunement or. I like that idea. Yeah. I agree with that too. And uh, you know, maybe they can't attune on that day. So they have to try it the next day and you know, like yeah. and that kind of thing, like that's kind of a fun thing. Uh, totally. Speaking of attunement, one of the things I don't like about D and D is and I get why, but the the limited amount of attuned items you can have, um, it does limit what that character can do. So I've often thought of adding um, an extra attuned item on a level up at different points, much like your stats can go up every three levels, whatever. Having that every three levels, you can have another attuned item. So as your character grows, they can carry – because it seems crazy to me that like a low-level character can have three attuned items and a, a, you know, a 15th-level character can have three attuned items. Like it doesn't – yeah. And I, I think it should be a bit of a sliding scale as well. As you get more powerful, you can carry more magic items. Well, Sean, let me introduce you to the class called the Artificer. And that's oh, yeah. exactly what happens. Yeah. I think Is every it? three levels, they get another entombment slot. That yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. I've done very little reading on Arf- Artificer and I'm not played one, obviously. So uh, there you go. But yeah, I think that's something I know I'm looking at adding to my game to give people mm-hmm. a bit more ability to have some more magic things. But anyways. Yeah. It was funny, my Artificer in our um, Ebron game, I was like the, uh, what would you call it? Just like the garbage shoot for magic items, you know? Because <laughs> I had five attunement slots and everyone had three. Yes. So if we got something, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I got room for it. I'll sure I'll take it. Some stupid, you know, like water breathing thing that I'll never use. I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure. I'll just, yeah. <laughs> I got the room. <laughs> that's hilarious. Add it, to, add it to the list. It's all good. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Uh, who else? Um, Sophia Lillis as Dork, a tiefling druid raised in the Neverwinter Wood. Um, Neverwinter. I like that name. That's kind of fun. Is that, do you know if that was a D&D throwback at all? Neverwinter? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. J- Jim's played so much more in the kind of the Forgotten Realms and all that kind of world than, than I certainly have. Um, I, I'm this really weird D&D player that doesn't really play D&D products. I've always kind of played in my own fantasy worlds and stuff, so I actually don't have a great lore on the worlds of D&D. Uh, Jim is much, much more uh, attuned with that than I am because he has five slots. I only have three, so, you know, there you go. <laughs> I just um, know Neverwinter from the – it's huge in the video games, D&D oh, video games. There you go. And There's I'm not a, a big, whole line of those, yeah. And I'm not a big video game player either, so there you go. That, that's why Jim has it up on me. Um, I thought she was really good, and I did enjoy the version of a tiefling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was great that they did use her tail. I was wondering if they were going to do that or not, because that's a lot of work for a film to add in, because I'm sure it's all CG predominantly. Uh, I'm glad they did that. And um, she was an interesting character, felt very much like she was the uh, the conscience of the group in a way. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought she was played it very, very well. And that was obviously the love interest for uh, the sorcerer, Simon. And um, yeah, really, really neat. And um 
I think as a druid, I mean, there was a lot of controversy. We talked about this before that you could shape shift into an owlbear, but uh, I thought that was really fun to do that. And I think they use the shape shifting really, really well in the film. Um, I've never been much of a druid fan, probably because druids really sucked in yeah. the original versions of D and D, and no, almost no one played a druid. And I think that is a leftover in my mouth, a taste, a bad taste of what a druid is. And the reality being that druid is probably one of the most powerful classes to play when you get higher level. And so I thought they did a good job kind of displaying that those great abilities of a druid. Your thoughts? Uh, well, what you said with the CG with her tail, I, yeah. I know a lot of that movie was puppeteered. Mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a good chance that the, that could have been, been eh? something, but... Maybe yeah, I'm not, CG for that. But. I've not seen very much about the making of. Have you watched very much of making of the film? I don't uh, know if there's even much out there. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, like um, the Eric Cora and stuff, all of them, like yeah. the bird people. And yeah, yeah. That, was, that was all like big suits and puppets and Sick. stuff. So. Sick. That's yeah. cool. Um, yeah, with the Druid, liked it, obviously, you know, being D&D nerd. I was like, you can't wild shape that many times, blah, blah, blah. But made yeah, for yeah, such yeah. a good, good chase scene, right? It was, it was yeah. perfect for the movie. The owlbear thing never really bothered me. That's me neither. I can just be like a DM thing, right? Where it's totally like, can be. <laughs> and that, that's where I certainly didn't want to go see that movie with a D and D rules nerd because it yeah. just be, they'd be elbowing you through the whole. They can't do that. That's not right. And page thirty seven of the DM's guide says you can't do that. You know, I was like, no, man. Like, anyways, uh, it never bothered me either. I thought it actually was yeah. very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think that's really neat. And you touched on something there that I thought was really cool. There was so many inside jokes that really made me feel good about those kind of things. Like how many times you could shape shift. And you know, there's always this funny thing. And like, if you watch uh, again, critical role, we'll give them their plug quite often, like in character, like I can't really do that right now, but if I have a rest overnight, I'll be able to do that in the morning. And it's kind of this joke about trying to say that, you know, you've used up all your spells or that uh, ability for the day has already been used. And uh, it's kind of neat how you just play with that. And, and they, they tease that a lot in the movie, I thought. So that was kind of yeah. cool. Um, Mr. Hugh Grant, who's a phenomenal actor as Forge Fitzwilliam, uh, who is a uh, out and ambitious rogue con artist, um, started off as being a party member and uh, very quickly is uh, full of deceit and turns on the party and then, you know, becomes the quote unquote bad guy. Uh, a tale as old as time, been used many times in D&D games. But I thought used extremely well, and his character was so perfect. And he was a patsy as well anyway, right? Like, yeah. It turns out there's a, a bigger thing going on that he doesn't realize, <laughs> um, which was really cool. I, I thought he did a fantastic job. Yeah, just over the top kind of yeah. Billy villain. And that, you know, that's so uh, popular in D&D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what was the line about, um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to sit and see what they're going to do and how they're going to kill you. So I'll leave the room. just silly stuff like that it was uh, totally great and i probably misquoted the whole thing but that's kind of loosely what i remember it being um yeah yeah, uh, chloe coleman it says as kira darvis uh, that's um chris pine's character uh, edgin's 14 year old daughter and uh i thought she was really good um really really uh great little actress um she's obviously not 14 she's probably like 37 but looks like she's 14 um but i think she was a great addition to it um, any, any comments daughter? She, she was kind of uh, a, bit of a background character in a way, right? Like you don't even see a ton of her, but, um, in the end battle, you get to do, you get to see her doing stuff, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. The, she had that magic item that kind of, that was really fun. That, that was right. a neat little twist, right? Like mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. Um, who else? Uh, Daisy head as Safina, the red wizard of Thay. That was, uh, she was an interesting character to me because I, 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 for the actor, I kind of feel sorry because she didn't really say very much, right? Like she's that really quiet, very stoic, just looked weird type of person. And so that's kind of fun as an actor. But if you're not talking, you don't, you know, you're not getting as much kind of screen time that way. But I thought she played it really well. And um, she was very interesting. Of course, Red Wizards being a big thing. They're really trying to pull that back. Um, I saw... A, thing a clip uh from some of the people from uh, dungeons and dragons talking about how that's coming up to be a big thing they're kind of bringing back the history of red wizards and all that kind of stuff into the kind of the dnd pantheon again so that's a big deal and of course they itself is a is a big thing so uh, i thought they did a pretty good job with that and her her evil spell stuff was pretty sick like i thought they did a great way of displaying some of the things you can do that meteor shower was incredible mm-hmm. like that was a really neat version of the spell uh that kind of stuff yeah I wish that they would have had that more of that uh, 
Lich that she was talking to there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Bob, not bad. Uh, just quickly, a gentleman named Jason Wong playing Dra- Dralis. Dralis, I think. A red wizard of Thay. He works as an assassin for Safina. He was uh, a pretty cool character. Um, pretty badass. And uh, I think that's kind of the main. Did you have any other characters that you wanted to touch on? Or does that kind of really go through the cast? Um, What's his name? Uh, Umber- Umberthal? I can't think of it now. The big fat dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it is like a cast member, right? Yeah, like that's <laughs> a- that's a historic character from the D&D world. Yeah, yeah, that's from Forgotten Realms, too. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Almost to the point of being extremely cartoonish the way they did it, mm-hmm. which was yeah. fun, which was really, really fun. It's, it's kind of, I mean, I think it's really funny that they made sure that in you know the new Dungeons Dragons movie, there was a dragon, technically two, if you think about it. They brought that uh, the metallic statue to life. Um, it, was, uh, it was kind of cool, and it was neat that it wasn't like, oh, uh, I mean, it, that dragon was scary, but not scary in the sense of what you'd really think of a dragon as being scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's it just a big cool. wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The Forgotten Realms lore was spot on, but was it? Uh, I guess they didn't credit Ed Greenwood like at oh. all. Oh, interesting. He's, he's the sole creator of Forgotten Realms. That's kind of weird. You know, so kind of shady that they didn't put his name at the end, you know? Like, yeah, for sure creator of this world i know yeah. that they like own it but it like you could little tip of the hat one line on the credits ownership is such a strange thing and i don't want to get off on one of sean's crazy tangents again but i um we used to do work for a company and they were an architectural firm that had been around for like 50 years and they had made like a lot of crazy things in calgary like you know Canada olympic park out where they had the olympics and that like they designed and built that um some big buildings in downtown calgary they designed and built and then after 50 years, uh, they got bought out by a massive engineering firm. And I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say their name, but a massive engineering firm here in Alberta buys them out and almost every single employee leaves. Like no, they don't, none of the employees go because they don't want to work for this crazy engineering, massive engineering firm. The partners stay because they have to be there for a few years to get their investment. And really the only reason that they did that is because then they could put in their portfolio all these buildings that this engineering firm now has built because they bought that. It's like buying history. Oh. And it's really weird to me. Cause then they'll say like, if you go into this engineering firm's portfolio, they'll talk about stuff that was built like 30 years ago, but they didn't build it. It was built by the company they bought, but now yeah. they is now they can legally say mm. they built it. And I just find that kind of stuff so weird. And it's very similar to what you're saying. Like D and D owns so many things they can say it's theirs, even if it was something that somebody else created prior to. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like altering history in a way. Yeah. And it happens a lot in our world now. So I find that difficult. And, and I find it, frankly, I find it kind of sad because the person who's done all this hard work and effort doesn't really get the credit. And it's just whoever's got the most amount of money to buy the whole thing, they're the ones that get the credit. It's, it's kind of weird. But yeah. So anyways. I was a little disappointed with that, anyways. Yeah, so. for sure. There, there's, there's my rant for the day. Um, <laughs> You know me, there'll probably be another. Um, something for me that was really special and dear to my heart and just made me like literally laugh out loud in the theater was uh, in the big chase scene in the uh, big glad- you know, gladiatorial games things where those, which I thought was really cool, those big um, square blocks that would shift up and shift down and create new labyrinth thing. That was a really neat, I have to use that one day. That was fun. But as they're running through and then they see another adventuring party in <laughs> the metal um, you know, cage. I'm like nudging my son Connor, who's like, dude, dude, dude. He's like, what? What? He goes, dude. That's from the the Saturday morning cartoon. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it is. That is the that's the adventuring party. Like the kids. He's like, what? Really? And he's like, and that was so to me. That was one of the best kind of tip of the hats to D and D. It was just like so cool. That it was, and it's kind of fun because we don't even know what happened to that party because the show was canceled <laughs> and you know never got the ending. So it was kind of neat to feel like they uh, you know they did have a story after the cartoon. Uh, and it was so fun to because, I mean, it was always just so hokey because yeah. it was a cartoon, but what they were wearing and then to try and make that look that way and, and, you know, live, it was really fun. That, that to me was such a great fun nod. And if you didn't know, it didn't matter. It was just another adventuring group that had been captured. But if you knew, you just had a big smile on your face. And, uh, and that was to me, one of the best Easter eggs, I guess you'd say in the film, like it was just so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I freaked out too. The, it was all, <laughs> it was all of them, but uni. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, I was expecting the little dungeon master to come out at some point and do something to release them from the 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 metal cage. Um, that yeah. was fun. 
Uh, what about you? What are, so I guess we'll go to start talking about like highlights or uh, things like that, things that you like, didn't like. I uh, want to do cons first, then we can end off on pros. Okay. Yes. Um, don't really have much more. One big con for me, probably the biggest of the movie, is no beholder. Ah, come on. What the hell? I was you like, can't what? have everything. Do you want to list all the things you got? <laughs> yeah. That I know not, specifically you like? It's not that <laughs> much, though. Oh, come on. You had your chest mimic. Mm-hmm. Boom. There's a big one for you right there. Yeah. Um, Displacer Beasts. That was mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. Gelatinous Cube. I have to say, hands down, that is the best. Because the gelatinous cubes are weird. They just are. Mm-hmm. And they can be difficult to use in game. I thought they absolutely nailed it in that movie. And yeah. the idea that she realizes how, you know, by going into the things that you could do, they were able to melt the magic things off their wrists so they could then cast magic. Like, that was crazy. And they yeah. knew that if they got them out soon enough, like, I, I thought they did a, you know, let's avoid the displacer beast. We'll dive into a gelatinous cube. That is some messed up D&D shit that is brilliant, right? Yeah. Like, that to me felt so in-game. Uh, I know we're supposed to be conning right now, but I'm like totally excited. That is a thing that you would have players do on the table. And as a DM, you go like, what? You're going to jump into a gelatinous cube? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, really? Awesome. And it was awesome. It was, to me, just felt, that moment to me felt more like a D&D game than pretty much anything in the film. Like it was just insane. Uh, so well done. But they didn't have a beholder. I mean, they could have had one in the background and eye stock. I mean, come on. <laughs> they were in the Underdark. They had a... Uh... Rust monsters. That was pretty cool. You know, and uh, did you see it in the show? Yeah, I, I missed it. I think They're I totally in missed the rafters. That. Yeah, and I, I was yeah. um, I heard someone say like you know like even this isn't you blink and you'll miss it moment. Two rust monsters seen fighting over metal lock. Um, I missed it. I didn't catch that. I was like, oh damn, mm-hmm. I love rust monsters. Um, yeah. But you know what? It was a huge setup film as well. Like you have to remember that. I think yeah. they were like testing the water. Uh, we haven't done one of these in a long time. Let's put something really cool out there and see what people think about it. And I think generally people really liked it. And um, I haven't kept track of the numbers if it's done really well or not. Um, but my feeling is that obviously they're going to they're going to you know try and do these as a series yeah. um, would be the goal. So you don't want to go and have everything all in the first one. You know you got to have some things left over for in other films. So yeah. and a Beholder is such a you know big bbeg character right like you know you you kind of want to have that and you would want to focus on it a bit so you're probably going to have you'll see maybe in the next one or the one after that if there is one a much bigger whole scene around that because there you have to give it its due yeah yeah hopefully but no that was just I, this is all nitpicky stuff right i like i really enjoyed the movie but i i watched it with toothpicks in my eyelids and i was looking for anything to tear apart <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um, other than that, for cons, the only other thing I have is there wasn't enough different D&D races, and they had mm-hmm. very little NPCs in the movie, like other than the party. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that I can kind of see that. Um, I, I Again, you only have so much time in a film. Mm-hmm. I would like to have seen, and I thought they did a really good job trying to do backstory stuff, but it would kind of need to try to do a little bit more. Because um, what you're doing is you're, you're bringing these people together as a party. Right. You're creating a party and that in any D&D game is always such a crux of the campaign of bringing these people together. And they did a pretty good job. But again, it just have to be a longer movie to do it. And so I'll go easy on them. But it'd been kind of neat to have even a bit more of a a backstory that would kind of tie these people together a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I think all in all, you know, they did a great job, but it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. There's only like a couple dwarves in the whole movie, which I thought was kind of messed up. Yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Um, yeah, they sort that that seemed a bit of a, a lack there, but I don't know. Maybe they're not dwarf people. Sorry, yeah. buddy. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for pros, I got uh, the high scene. That was amazing. That was that embodied the feeling of a D and D game to me. I think that hither thither is that I said hither thither staff. Yeah. Um, which I've never heard of before. I think that was exclusive to the movie. Have you, Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, no, but I do believe it's an older magic. Is item. it? Hmm. I don't remember it. Um, I thought that was such a brilliant use of it. I mean, to, to get across a, a chasm or, you know, whatever, but then the idea of putting it on something like on that mirror. And I can remember seeing in the trailers where the druid would fall into the ground and then come out of something. And I remember thinking, what the hell are they doing? Like, are they, is that a dimension door that she's doing or something? And I was trying to figure out what that was. Yeah, And then seeing it used in the movie, like I said, that was so brilliant. 
Like, and then it falls down. Perfect. <laughs> Environmental yeah. issue. Something's gone wrong. Deal with it. And they're under the thing, trying to do stuff under the carriage and rip boards off. And like, just <laughs> so perfect. Like, I agree with you. That was amazing. That scene. And, uh, very well thought through, I thought, you know, to go and figure out how to get in there and do this. It was really cool. Yeah. That, and I, I loved how in the entire movie, you could tell when the party rolled high or low. Yeah. You, yeah, 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 you yeah. knew exactly when the rolls hit. Somebody said to me, wouldn't it be cool if you actually had a little dice in the corner rolling? And it's like, oh, yeah, it is cool, but it would really take something away. What I think would be neat, and this harkens back to a, a different time when you used to go and get a DVD and you'd have like the director's mm-hmm. cut or you'd have like the uh, director's yeah, yeah. commentary. It would be cool to have something like that and have little dice rolling in the corner, you know, and that kind of yeah. commentary thing. But uh, yeah, you definitely got a feeling of like, this is a big fail or an epic win type of feeling. Do you know what I mean? Which was for people who don't play the game, they wouldn't really notice they'd, they'd be hyped about it. But if you played the game, you could really feel that, Oh God, you just rolled horrible. You know, they, <laughs> they did a, a good job making it feel that way. Yeah. Maybe me and you might have to do that. Sean, we'll do a voiceover for the movie, kind of do the <laughs> DM setup for the scenes. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Then, then have the little uh, dice in the corner. When they wouldn't roll. that be funny? Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Something that I thought was done so incredibly well, and uh, it is when um, Simon, the sorcerer, uh, is casting the illusion of um, Edgen singing as a bard coming through the gates to work as a distraction. And again, talking about something going wrong, he's like, his concentration is failing, right? So he's done a bad concentration save or whatever. And then the character starts like melting and morphing and like skipping like a bad video. And it was just like, that was so unbelievably funny to me and Mm -hmm. a brilliant way of showing how, you know, because we'd say in a game, like, you know, you're failing your concentration and then that would be it. I love that they described and showed you what would happen if that, and I think I need to remember that. Like if someone fails a concentration role, explain then what is happening because of that it isn't just like on off switch it's like a halfway blend between the two and i thought that was just so beautifully done um they really had fun with it because it looked like a really bad like a buffering issue on a streaming service or something feeling like it was just like yeah you know it was brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah awesome well yeah that's all i got in the movie other than that yeah just i really enjoyed it like i said i was really trying to nitpick yep but uh, no No, I, i really enjoyed it yeah. I have a couple of more on my list I wouldn't mind talking about. Yeah. Not too many. Um, I've thought the um, the Eric Kokra. I said, I can never say that. Eric yeah. Kokra? Yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Like you said, and now you're saying that their wings and everything were done with um, real props and stuff was very, really exciting. Uh, I thought they were, that was brilliant. Like that mm-hmm. was really in a good embodiment of that race. Yeah. And the idea of knocking out the window, grabbing, like I kept saying, you know, we should be waiting. We should be waiting for them to come. I was like, why are they just going to, you know, throw the vote to them? It's like, no, they're going to knock the son of a bitch out the window and fly off. That was brilliant. I love that. Uh, but yeah. I thought that was one of the races they really got. Like it really mm-hmm. felt of that world, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I was exciting to hear the legendary arc mage Mordenkainen mentioned. I thought that was really fun. Uh, that was yeah. a, put a smile on my face. That was really cool. Um, this one was hilarious to me and it was just perfect is the, you know, they're digging up the graves and they're trying to speak to the dead to find out where the stupid item is. And it was so funny and so much like the game. Like, are we asking the questions yet? Yes. You're already like using up your so many questions. And that was that great nod again. Like you said to like, you only got so many questions. You only got so many tries and, and it, it, they really were out with it and made it feel very much like they were really having fun. And, uh, so many times in the game when you use that spell, it's it's this it's this bullshit spell that is good and bad all at the same time. And as a DM, you can have so much fun with it. Like you can really be a lawyer and play with their words and and mess with the players. Do you know what I mean? Because they haven't asked yeah. it properly. Um, in one of the games I play with my buddies from high school from years ago, one of them is a lawyer. So whenever we have stuff like that, he like spends ten minutes crafting his complete exact question of what he's going to ask. It's like it's so funny. It's absolutely perfect. Um, and it still goes wrong. Uh, so I thought that was absolutely brilliant. They just totally nailed it. The feeling of a game. And I thought it was so evil to leave without asking the last question, and leave the poor guy hanging. Like that was just the worst. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's like classic D and D shenanigans though. They're like, ah, screw him, you know, but totally. Yeah, I totally forgot about that part. Cause I've watched the trailer way too many times. 
But yeah, same thing. Uh, we had the almost the exact same thing happen in my Ravenloft game that I ran. Yeah. yeah. So they d- dug up a body and my cleric, or not the cleric, it was the warlock, but the cleric yep. did the spell or whatever. They knew it was his daughter because they found, yeah. or his sister or whatever. I can't remember now, but they, yeah. they knew because of the grave, dug them up. First question he asks, are you really my sister? Yes. Really? Yes. I was like, wow. It's just like, why? He just pissed away all five questions so quick. That's awesome. You have to be so careful with that. And and if you play like really mean and just be like anything they say, even it's like, really? Like, yep, that's a question. Like you need to. It's so fun. Yeah. I thought they absolutely nailed that. That was a really, really fun element. And, And that whole idea of like, how to propel the story. Like they had to get that piece of information. Where could they get it from? Go to the people that were in the battle. They might've seen something and they just kept showing, they're digging them up one after the other, (laughs) after the other, after the other, that was just fantastic. So very well done. Um, The last thing I wanted to talk about was um, actually the kind of the climax of the final big battle and this uh, great use of invisibility um, by uh, the young daughter uh, and manages to use one of these anti-magic bracelets, and she's slipped it on to Safina, the uh, the bad mage, and she can't cast her spells. And so then, the, which is great, and it was a really neat, slick move. Um, I didn't really see it coming, which was kind of fun, um, which was, a lot of times I try and figure things out, and that time I just slip, slipped right by me. It was beautiful, and it was a good twist. And then the part that just put the biggest smile on my face was... Then the druid character as an owl pair just goes bad ass. It's just like pummeling and smashing and smashing and jumping on it, jumping on it, jumping and smashing and smashing way overkill, but so hilarious. And again, so in game like that is just absolutely like it was just it was a comic like it was a complete joke about how she was just bashing the crap like a puppy playing with a toy type of thing. Yeah, but so absolutely perfect and beautiful to the game. Like that is exactly what you think. Um thoughts on that like i loved it yeah yeah i liked it i i thought it was kind of recycled because they did the same thing in like uh the uh marvel movies yeah i get that like hulk with loki and stuff like i got that but i still enjoy i i love it when you see a big hulk and totally just pummel the bad guy that lost their powers or whatever just ragdolling them right just shaking around yeah it's kind of fun it's, it's always satisfying to see it is i mean it is done but i think it was really neat for me about it is to show like and it's that same, it's that, it's that age old thing. Like a wizard is extremely powerful. If they have spells, <laughs> if they don't have spells, they're a meat puppet. You know what I mean? Like, and took, took her magic away and she was nothing. And it was pretty cool. So, uh, the other thing I thought was kind of neat for me as a train builder was actually also in the, when they had the big uh, gladiators thing going on, they showed the people up above watching and they had a version of the, um, the, the field, the, the tournament field that they were watching that they could mm. look at, you know what I mean? And as a miniature version, like that was kind of fun. I, I got a big kick out of that. It was kind of a, a neat little, neat little thing. So anyways, anything else on our talk about, uh, today's cool movie, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves out now in theaters. <laughs> uh, we're sponsored by them. So we have to say that, um, yeah. anything to, to kind of close on Jim or do we kind of capture everything that we want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you don't watch it now because we've basically ruined the entire thing for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was it was great. I'm definitely gonna watch it again, probably by when it comes out. So, so after seeing it, would you feel good about them doing a sequel? What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I'll take any D and D content. I kind of think so. I, I know there was. Um, I think we chatted about this too. The one that was back in the '90s, uh, Marlon Wayans was in it. A bunch mm. of things like that, and it's it's not bad. I mean, it's it, this That's is way bad. better. It, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. It's Sean. pretty bad. <laughs> it is. This was way better. But um, the scene at the beginning um, when uh, Edgen and uh, Holga, I think it was Holga, wasn't it? Where they step forward and they fall through his like sand, quicksand mm. carpet rug. I guess that I read a thing somewhere saying that that rug is actually a very similar looking rug to the a similar trap they used in that film back in the nineties. So it was kind of a, a nod oh, cool. to that film in the nineties, which is kind of cool. I didn't really remember that, but that was kind of neat. Uh, I thought they did a superb job. Um, like I said, at the very beginning of riding that fine balance of making a D and D movie that the general public would enjoy. And I'm hoping it did well enough that they would look at doing a sequel because uh, I would certainly see it again. And I would like to see more what these characters get into, which would be really fun. 
which is yeah. a campaign, right? That's that's what we do. We, we, we're in it for the long haul. So I'd totally be down to see some more movies of this. Yeah. And the best part is that like they don't need the same actors, you know? N- no. Like nothing has to be the same. It can be a different world. It can be. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Like I, I would love to see more of these characters and more of their stories, mm. but you're right. I mean, and that's maybe even the smarter way to go is just to bring a whole new cast in and do a whole different story of the, you know, being in a and d fantasy world, but of a different thing. That's totally something you could do. It's interesting. They have a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take any D&D content as you know, got to bring up Dragon Lance <laughs> as per our contract. I love that Dragon Lance cartoon. It is so terrible. That is probably the worst D&D movie that they've made, but it, it's all I have. And I love it, you know, because it's, <laughs> it's just, it's D&D Dragon Lance content and I'll take it. I think we originally said we're today, we we're going to talk about um, other D&D stuff in media. And I think really uh, the only thing I want to bring up is the rumors that there is going to be a Dragonlance series. Yeah, uh, rumors. Rumors, yeah. There's been a couple of things tied to uh, Mr. Joe Manganello and a few things about maybe that there is going to be a Dragonlance series, which is exciting and scary all at the same time, right? Yeah, real um, scary. I, I think if Mr. Uh, Manganello was involved in it, I think it would actually probably be pretty good because he is a huge lover and proponent of um, you know, Dragonlance. So I, I could see them wanting to keep that ship upright and sailing straight. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say just like the Witcher TV show, like mm. uh, Henry was very involved in the books, the games. He loved that world. And he was having fights with the producers because they wanted to go out of the lore. And he's like, no, let's keep this like real to the lore. And that's why he left because they were just having too many right. different differences. Right. So, I mean, like same thing could happen. Yeah, it's really it's hard. Like, it just depends on who gets a hold of the stuff and what they do with it. And um, yeah, it, it's just, it's difficult. And and I give, um, you know, people, uh, you know, a lot of space when they're trying to create things. Because as creators ourselves, we know how hard it is. And, and you're never going to satisfy everybody. But if you are taking on something like that, you do have to realize that uh, you have a lot of responsibility. And you know, a lot of people, you know, excited and wanting to see it. And uh, speaking of Mr. Uh, Manganello, as we know, he is working on a, uh, I think he's, they're trying to get it done for the 50th anniversary, but I don't know if that's right or not, but on a, um, a Dungeons and Dragons documentary right now, which he's mm, been filming right. and talking to people and doing stuff. So that is going to be fascinating. I'm very excited to see that. Um, it'd be pretty cool to uh, maybe see a, a Dragonlance uh, train tree in that movie with a bit of luck. We'll see. I don't know. Fingers crossed on that one. Um, yeah, I think that, I think he's going to nail that cause he's so, so much a lover of that world and he knows everybody in it. It's going to be really cool to see what that uh, documentary pulls together. Now, I guess it's supposed to be like, they've uncovered like old footage and things that have never been seen before that they're bringing into it and everything. So oh, it should be cool. pretty exciting. Yeah, it should be pretty exciting. Yeah. But cool. Uh, anything else to chat on or is that good for today? I think it's good for today. Let's wrap this up. Wrapping it up. Thanks everybody. Hey, Warlock Rock, give me a word. Let's go with coffee. Dragon Warrior, can you give me a word? Every day, Tiger Wizard, let's go with Bog Witch. Awesome, let's make the swamp hut of the caffeinated Bog Witch together. What's going to happen in this swamp? Well, obviously, trouble is brewing a latte. (laughs) (laughs) Do you love game design and seeing the guts of how RPG adventures are made? Listen to the Epic Level's Mad Dungeon podcast, where guests from the world of role-playing games join us to create original and super fun content for your table. Next time on 13-Sided Die. Welcome back, everybody. This is Epic Jim. Sean forced me to call us back in. <laughs> Just kidding. You nailed it. You <laughs> nailed it. And that is an epic callback. Like, holy man. And so everyone feel feel very thankful and grateful. Uh, Mr. Jim did a great job. So we uh, like to every once in a while, if we can, we're pretty much every show now, read a little comment from somebody. And we have a great one here. Um, this is from John, uh, the Knoll Who Crafts on Instagram. Hey, Sean. Hey, Jim. Love the podcast so far. What are your thoughts on high-level play, level 12 plus? I've heard and been told that's where the game really breaks down and strangely becomes less fun. Thoughts on this and how to remedy it? And what are your steps or pillars of prep for a game? How long does it take? Uh, sorry, how long does it tend to take? I apologize if you already covered this. Keep it up, lads. Like I said, that was John the Knoll who crafts on Instagram. Uh, that is a really, really great question. First of all, thank you very much, John, for sending something in. 
I really appreciate that. Uh, if any of you guys out there want to send us something, please uh, either catch us on Instagram, um, send us an email, crystalball at 13sideddie.com. And um, yeah, we would love to respond. Um, what do you think, Jim? That's a really good question. Yeah, thanks, John. It's so good that we're not going to answer it. <laughs> Nicely done. No, Jim's completely right. I, I don't think that's that's not a simple one-off answer, but it's such a great question. I think, um, do you want to try and tackle that for next show? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think it, it's a really good one and it is very difficult at higher levels. So we can sit and have some really good conversations about that and maybe some tips to help uh, DMs with that. And tips for characters playing high levels too. So that's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I always kind of like to try and get both sides of the fence on that, you know, so we're not just a DM podcast or something. Yeah. Um, and I think we try and ride that balance pretty well. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's fantastic. If you can, please uh, like, follow the, uh, subscribe and follow to the podcast. That's always really great. Um, we love hearing comments. I know Jim's waiting for a bad comment, so we can kind of comment on that. Um, what else, buddy? That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, if you just want to follow us just to send us hate mail or to write mean <laughs> comments. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that is just fantastic. You guys uh, are just, you're loved by us so much. Um, it is just really, really great um, hearing from you. We're so happy with you guys. Uh, listen to us and we get to do this because this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that live episode in June. That'll be good at ArtCon. That is so true. Um, we'll start thinking about what the topic is. Um, we'll do a little bit of a preamble talk and uh, then we'll probably get into asking questions directly from the audience, which will be really fun. I'm very excited about that. So if you are thinking of coming, uh, give some thought about participating. It'll be really cool. Anybody who participates and asks a question will get a little prize. I'll tell you that right now. Ooh. Ooh. Little do I teaser. get a prize? I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna shut be- up. <laughs> Sit down, shut up and talk. That's oh, all man. you need to do. <laughs> I'll be behind the curtain. <laughs> It'll be really fun. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, probably where things are at. So next episode, we'll talk about high level play, and uh, yeah, I'll look forward to doing that. Ah, great chat today, man. This was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Thank you as always, my friend, and uh, we'll see all of you guys next time. See you next time, adventurers. Bye bye. Hey guys, we uh, we almost forgot. We all want to do a terrible joke each episode, and you don't get to hear one of mine. Today you get to hear a terrible epic Jim joke. All right, I made this up, so this is uh, this is a little Jim and Sean uh, Comic Con joke here. Nice. What What do you call a death knight and a pirate when they hang out? A good time. The Dead Sea. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>Well done, you. You've made it to the end of the podcast. You are a bold adventure to be sure. Remember to fill your wire skin and to have your blade sharpened at the blacksmith's before departing. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new 13-sided die adventures. And don't forget to tell your friends about the silly fools talking about D&D. 13-sided die has been brought to you by Sean and Jim. Executive produced by Sean and Jim. Mini painting by Sean and Jim. Engineered by Sean and Jim. Cobble and Torture Device by Sean and Jim. Conceptualized by Sean and Jim. Please note, no goblins were harmed in the making of this podcast.